Hello and welcome to Live Fix Radio. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And today we have a, uh, you know, a uh, topic that's, uh, you know, it's been popular. You know, it's uh, throughout history. And uh, but um, before we get into our, what exactly we're going to be talking about today, um, just want to welcome everybody. It's the holiday season, and I'm sure if it's a first-time uh, listener, welcome. Yes, love having you. Go back you, uh, to our uh, past episodes, please, because you'll get to learn a little bit more about us and why we do what we do. Yeah, we've been doing this a lot, you know, a, a while, and I uh, just wanted to stop and say, uh, you know, see, season's greetings to everybody, uh, our fellow concert fans out there. Hope you're enjoying a good concert uh, this holiday season, maybe two, maybe three concerts, you know, let us know how that goes. Um, but uh, today's topic is uh, benefit concerts. So uh, recently, you know, uh, with the, you know, the unfortunate occurrence of uh, Hurricane Sandy, uh, there was a 12-12-12 benefit concert put on by uh, some great uh, artists. a whole host of artists, um, you know, some uh, older artists and uh, some new artists. Uh, and then some You mean artists. old in age or old in their performance age? Well, uh, I'm not following you. Well, like, Justin Bieber's young, but his perform I mean, he's been performing now, what, two or three years? Yeah. He was a so, necklace. Like Bruce Spring... I know, but like Bruce Springsteen. I'm just oh. giving you some examples to oh, clarify. I got you. I got okay? you. I got you. Okay. So Bruce Springsteen, you know, he's got... He's been alive for a certain amount of years, but he's been only performing for a certain amount of years. Yeah, if you're looking at like the collective age of everybody who was performing on here, you're, you're getting up into like you know. Some pretty okay, high, so you were some, talking about age. Some pretty high numbers. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, as you can imagine, something like the you know the benefit concert, the goal is obviously to raise money for people that were impacted by it. Uh, the Robin Hood Foundation uh, is is uh, backing and uh, kind of making sure that all the money goes to the right people. And we're going to get into that. You know, it's kind of an interesting history. Um, where this concert took place, where you know previous historical concerts have uh, benefit concerts have taken place, so kind of an interesting show. You know, we've never really focused anything on the concept of benefit concert. Uh, you know, and kind of what all goes into that, who's impacted, why people do those kind of things, how to even do one from your you know for yourself if you're looking to do something like this. Um, it seems to be something that uh, with the popularity of touring, that being able to put on a concert to help other people in need. Uh, people really love live music, and they're willing to kind of exchange that, you know, knowing that they're going to be helping somebody and taking a show. It's a good mix. So we're gonna we're gonna explore that a little bit. We're gonna talk about what happened at twelve twelve uh, twelve a benefit concert, and then some other things that are kind of uh, been brewing uh, as well. But before we do that, when you talk about someone who's young and experienced on stage, yeah, we got some music news. We L- we've got to open up with. Mrs. Rebecca Black. Yeah, Rebecca Black. So, um, you know, most everybody knows who Rebecca Black is. If you don't, um, she you know, is the girl Friday. behind the uh, viral video um, called Friday. Uh, you know, it's auto-tuned. It's super cheesy. It's funny, you know, and, and she got some flack for it, right? You know, um, and it went viral. She got some popularity. She was, you know, 13 at the time. And now two years later, you know, she's kind of... You know, um, setting out to play her very first live concert. So the reason we're talking about her on the show here is because, uh, you know, this um, uh, coming up weekend here, she's actually going to be performing uh, for the first time in her, it looks like her hometown of uh, Anaheim, uh, California, at the House of Blues. So we're going to keep an eye on this because, uh, you know, we've talked about this kind of thing before. You know, artists that are really good online, you know, we've seen some artists, you know, we've kind of... You know, seeing seeing artists, um, one one of artists that comes to mind is uh, Kobe Clay. You know, kind of a MySpace 
you know, internet uh, uh, sensation, and then you go see him live, and eh, you know, it doesn't doesn't really happen, doesn't really connect with you. You know, there, it, it's one thing to record a, a good show uh, and, and a good uh, song, put it online, and get lots of hits, but it's a whole hour thing to take. You know, actually perform perform in front of people right it's the whole thing we talked about last episode about you know being a good performer uh, versus a great artist and, and musician right? and she got a lot of criticism I mean Rebecca people Black. really thought yeah. she, it was a joke they thought she was lip singing I mean there's all kinds of rumors that went along with that video and there was a lot of spoofs so much that can go out. wrong when you try to autotune you know sure so I mean she really is, is proving herself and some artists can do it. I mean, we've went and seen some artists that blow me away. I mean, their their online presence did not um, do their performance any justice. You know, I mean, they did so well at the performance. It was like that online. Yeah. That we, I, uh, the bit that I saw online, I was, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. We went and saw them, and it was like, wow, it blew me away. Yeah, one artist comes to mind, Chicago artist Kate Diaz, you know? I mean, she really kind of uh, got familiar with performing, covering other people's songs, uh, you know, uh, Kanan's song and some other artists. And, uh, but she also plays at, uh, you know, at, at a local restaurant where she kind of you know, develops her chops as a live, live musician. So she's kind of doing them in two different places. So Rebecca Black is venturing out for the very first time to play a live show. So we're going to keep an eye on it. We're going to see how that goes. Um, how do you think it's going to turn out, Colin? What, what are you, any predictions? My thoughts are, um, I don't know. Hopefully she's been practicing. Yeah. I, I'm not too impressed. Um, she sounds like every Looks other person Looks like she's got a band. She's age. got a band of kind of people that are, you know, a little seasoned. So they're kind of, you know, she's probably going to be relying it's a good. lot on them. But I'm uh, sure she'll have a lot of know. people show up just because they were fans of her viral video. And she's kind of like a pop sensation. Yeah. And it looks like she wants to move away from, like, the pop kind of autotune stuff that Friday was all about. And she wants to get into more, quote-unquote, serious type of acoustic hmm. uh, music. So, well, good luck to her. I, Anyone that yeah. puts their neck out there, good luck to them. Yeah, getting up on stage, whether you're Rebecca Black or the Rolling Stones, uh, it's not easy. You know, it's, it's tough. Uh, to go out and do that. So, yeah, definitely. We wish, uh, wish her luck, and we'll keep you guys informed on uh, how that turns out. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're at that show, Rebecca Black out in Anaheim, and uh, you want to give us a little uh, inside scoop on, uh, on what that show is like, let, you know, let us know. Definitely uh, contact us on that. So our next news piece here is um, about uh, an artist that we've talked about several times before in the show. Uh, it's hard not to go two or three or four shows without mentioning her name. Uh, of course, we're talking about Lady Gaga. Um, you know, she, you know, she won me She's over. She's always making headlines you know, in the concert I, industry, concert yep. news. Yeah, and, and she recently has come under, uh, you know, conflict. And th- this whole story is kind of interesting because there's this, it, there's this particular city that uh, seems to be popping up in the news a lot lately, and that's St. Petersburg out in Russia. Um, but with Lady Gaga, what happened with her is that uh, she performed uh, in St. Petersburg and displayed the Russian flag in a way that was uh, um, illegal. Um, mm-hmm. And she also, like she does at all of her concerts, you know, she uh, said some words about, um, uh, you know, uh, homophobia and uh, homosexuality, you know, and kind of wove that, you know, wave that flag for that, you know, for that group of people. So, um, but the Russians did not like that, that the Russian people, um, it looks like the authorities, um, in St. Petersburg, did not like that. So her show is under investigation. Um, but 
What, what's interesting about this uh, this particular city, St. Petersburg, is that there's it's also home to uh, another uh, kind of um, uh, controversy that's been going on uh, this year, uh, and with the band, uh, the band name is kind of interesting name, and uh, you know if you're a uh, young kid listening to the show, um, or parents, whatever. Um, we'll say this band name a couple times. Uh, it's called Pussy Riot, and uh, they have created. Cr- cr- Close your ears if right? you're a little kid. Yeah, you know, or you, ha- or you're, if you're parents. Right, uh, they're a punk band, so punk band names tend to be a little, eh, you know, they kind, you know, but anyway, they're a little controversial right. too. So they want people, you know, to remember their name. Right, but in any case, so this band, uh, we'll just call them Riot from my, right out now, uh, P Riot or whatever, right? Um, they, uh, they, you know, performed. Um, well, you actually turned me onto this, you know, on the, onto the story. About they've been they've they, been around for a while. There's a lot of news. If you if you Google them, there's uh, news all over the place about these concerts they were just like putting on in public places, and they were arrested. They were arrested, and they did not want to. Um, plead at all, and they were like they did. They did like a silent. They they weren't talking, they weren't pleading or anything. So yeah, they kept actually keeping them in jail for not for playing live music too far within the distance of a cathedral uh, near the uh, Moscow mm-hmm. and and. Um, and they were doing really dangerous so. stuff, like in public. They stand up on, um, you know, they stand up. They get up high on ladders and perform on street lights and different, just like really kind of bizarre areas. And they were trying to make a point, you know. And I think they did, you know, they did what they could. But now they have backing, you know, they had other people now backing them up. Speaking of uh, influential artists, our uh, next news item here uh, comes from uh, South America, and uh, it involves none other than our uh, famous uh, Madonna. Uh, you know, I feel like we uh, talk a lot about Gaga and Madonna. Well, there is a you know there is a string of uh, you know th- these news items are kind of all connected, which is you know we don't plan that intentionally necessarily, but sometimes it just it just turns out that way. You know, you got Madonna, Lady Gaga. Of course, you wouldn't have Lady Gaga without Madonna. You know, and you wouldn't have all this controversy, all this stuff going on without these artists. You know, they. They're, they use the stage. They're so not, some of the other you know, artists need to step up well, they, and cause some... These artists are, 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 are gifted not only as musicians and performers, but they're, they're gifted in being able to use the stage to create controversy to, one, keep their fans interested along the way, uh, you know, in between albums. You know, even though Madonna has her new album out and everything, and, you know, I haven't been a big fan of it, but, you know... Um, but you got to keep your fans interested, right? You got to do things when you're going to city to city to city, a lot of tours, all that kind of stuff, right? So, it's, yeah, we, we've talked about Madonna, but I like talking about Madonna live because she's she's a great live performer, you know, and she Absolutely. always she always does some really crazy stuff on you know on stage. Uh, she's known for her stage act, so um, you know. I mean, have, have you ever seen Madonna live before? I have not seen Madonna no? live. That's like, I, I think that's a bucket list. But I, yeah, right? Don't you think? Ab- well, absolutely. Right? I don't know that I'd want to see her now. Yeah, like I would like to go back and oh, time that'd be kind of like a time machine show and see her. Gotcha. Like in the eighties, like in her prime. Oh. I would have loved to see that, like the first ten rows. Oh yeah. You know, maybe midsection like where a, you can see the, like the, like a prayer tour. Yeah, like right. a prayer tour. <laughs> I don't know if that I was mean, actual that, tour name back then, but I, I mean, I, I would, I would have loved to to see that and and just see her at her prime. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, now, hey, I'd go if someone asked, but it was not like one of those things where I like when she comes to town, I have to go. Right. I just I would you I equate that with going to see the Rolling Stones now? I mean, 
you know? I don't know. I just, I think she's just It'd not... Be kind of the same thing? Like, yeah, I mean, not she doesn't the play in like... Prime and, she and, typically doesn't play like a lot of her old stuff, I don't think, at the shows. Yeah. Like her old, you know, like a virgin and... I've seen some some highlights from her tour. She's She mixes yeah. the hits in there a little yeah. bit. Well, you know, maybe but, I do but, need to, uh, maybe the, I need to the, reconsider the, that. The reason that we're talking about her now is because uh, she did something kind of kind of weird and interesting during a sound check in uh, uh, Chile, uh, down in South America. There, uh, she was getting ready to do a show. She was doing her sound check, and she got up on stage, and she noticed two. Or she's she starts to do her sound check, right? And she notices uh, two fans or yes. a couple of fans smoking. And quote, end quote, she said, there are people smoking here, no smoking. And she actually said, if you're going to smoke cigarettes, <laughs> I'm not going to do my show. Yeah. And this yeah. is during a sound check. She gives her fans an so ultimatum. So this wasn't even like, you know? this, is, this wasn't during the concert. This was wow. just a sound check getting ready for the concert. Right. The show hadn't even started yet. The fans were there. They were getting excited about it. And she goes up on stage and says, hey, you know, I'm not going to do a show because you guys are smoking. And then she, you know, you, you watch this clip. Uh, you know, and it's kind of interesting to see her, you know, interact and, you know, people kind of, uh, you know, she starts to speak the native language there. She starts, you know, starts to kind of speak, uh, uh, you know, Spanish back to them. Um, she says, entiendes, which means, you, do you understand? You know, she goes back and forth with, with the fans. And, uh, you know. So, I don't understand. They don't actually show it. I haven't seen any footage. You have to clarify this for me because. Well, I haven't seen any footage of of these fans smoking, you know. Oh, okay. That's what I want to see. I want to see the fans actually, like, were they actually smoking? Was it just cold outside? Was it just breath? You know? Okay. I mean. Well, I understand. But my confusion with with all of this is that um, I I was able to Google uh, Madonna and smoking because I figured. Yeah, I know she used to smoke. If you watch her documentary um, that we talked about the last couple episodes, Truth or Dare, Truth or Dare, yeah, um, it she's smoking back backstage. So yeah. um, there's tons of pictures of her smoking. So well, that was I'm, back I'm in the old days, it, though. Right, you so can't smoke. How- and you can't keep that up, you know, the drugs, alcohol, that kind of stuff. Right. The whole so career, I guess I'm even smoking. I'm just wondering, like, I mean, what's the deal? Unless like, what unless prompted? What prompted this? You know, where's the judgment coming of, like, don't smoke? I don't understand that. I'm not an advocate for smoking. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I just... I don't know. She, she was kind of all over the place with smoking, you know, back in her prime. And so I guess I don't quite understand. Is she trying to be a role well, model or what's... Well, what's interesting about this is that, you know, she, gets, she, she thinks she can get up on stage and, and make these claims and make these, you know, pretty dramatic requests... What I think, you know, to her fans to say stop smoking, you know, and I think, uh, you know, as we were kind of preparing for this, one of the things I was thinking about is that, you know, Madonna's been at this for over 30 years, right? You know, for her career. And some of the things we talked about before are, you know, the concept of, uh, uh, you know, bands being like a marriage, you know, the relationship between uh, fans and the artists. You know, it's kind of, it's like a long-term relationship, right? I mean, you got 30 years that she's been entertaining her fans. And I would assume that those people that were smoking, um, I don't know this for sure, but you could assume that, you know, they've been following her for her entire career. You know, they're, they're, these are diehard fans. And, and she's asking them to do some, do some things, you know. And, and I started thinking about, you know, for her to do that, she has to have a pretty 
um, pretty good amount of faith, you know, an understanding and, I, you know, and even a, a level of comfort to go out there and know that she can, you know, say, don't smoke or I'm not going to play. Sure. You know, like... Well, a lot of musicians I mean, feel like... We've been married eight years, right? Over eight years. And we, you know, we have interactions, you know, or, you know, if I go to interact with someone in my family and I ask, you know, I want them to do certain things, you know, and, uh, you know, I get comfortable with you where if we were, you know, when we were dating, there's certain things that we wouldn't do, you know, and, or you'd be like, ah, oh, he's weird, you know, and, you know, whether it's bodily functions or whatever, right? Um, but it's like, you get comfortable with people over time you can ask them to do things that you wouldn't let you wouldn't even think of asking them to do early on in the relationship, and I think this is kind of interesting, you know. And it even so, you're saying that Madonna has an intimate relationship with her fans. I think right for her to be able to think that she can do something like that, like if a band, you know, is starting out, you, we go to the shows in Chicago, you know, you, you, you and you, you, if one of those opening bands, a new bands, saw a fan smoking and t- and told them to stop smoking. The fan would would be shut up, you know. Like probably not see really? him, watch him again. They'd be see him again. The hell right? with you, right? But Madonna, her fans love her. She loves her fans. There's a relationship there, and it it really speaks, I think, to the level of intimacy that she has with her fans, you know. And it's sure. And it really makes me think of you know there were some there's some other artists. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, you uh, know, Janis Joplin claimed at one point um, when she was on stage, you know, she said to her fans, on stage I make love to 25,000 people, and then I go home alone. Hmm. And she has also quoted that on many interviews that she's given to um, the media, you know, that um, basically she feels like she has this long, intimate relationship with her fans, and she feels connected with them at her show. Now, I don't quite understand that because the I'm not an artist or, you know, I'm not on stage, you know, taking in all these fans' energy, but um, but I can only imagine if if they she feels like that, imagine if you're Madonna and you have thousands of thousands of fans, um, and if you feel like you're having that intimate level with each, you know, each one of them. You know, sometimes, in, you know, I know that I, I've seen artists do this sometimes too, and that uh, it takes a lot of emotional energy, and there's a level of freak out that I like to call that's like, you know, sometimes even when you get in, in other relationships that are not music-based or fan-artist kind of stuff that, you know, a relationship gets to a certain, gets to a certain level, right? And it's you're like, uh, you, you, you do certain things that you would normally do underneath all that pressure, you know? And over the last several months, Madonna has had, you know, she had some, uh, some things happen. Uh, she showed up late to the Miami show and fans were yelling at her, you know, from the, st- from the stands and, you know, uh, from the crowd. So I think, um, you know, she's got this new album, she's touring and, you know, but all her fans have been following her. It's that relationship that over a period of time, you're bound to have problems with your fans and artists, will do certain things and it's it's kind of interesting to see what artists do you know what you know watching you know we'll talk a little bit later about Kanye West and the 12 12 12 show you know and and just you know as artists evolve it's just interesting to see what they do and and even someone like Janis Joplin I would have loved to see her you know she was alive today like what you know what kind of things she would do to her fans you know or what what that relationship would look like 30 years into the future, you know, like, cause she, I mean, she was a real, you know, she was a real, 
um, heartfelt person, you know, from from that. That's an interesting quote. But um, so that's the material girl, and uh, that wraps up our news. So what we're going to do now, we're going to we're going to uh, head into our uh, our meat of our show, and we're going to uh, talk about benefit concerts. So we got some uh, some great history stuff. Uh, we got some kind of uh, thoughts on uh, how other fans were responding to the twelve 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 benefit concert. Uh, the Sandy Relief uh, show that happened, and also how uh, you know some things about people what uh, what you guys could do to uh, you know possibly put on your own benefit show. So more on that when we when we come back. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Carface Ninety, and today I am going to be. T- to you about uh, the 12-12 concert that occurred last night. Um, it was a it was a relief concert for the um, Hurricane Sandy that occurred around here in New Jersey, and I didn't really know much about it until I was coming back from uh, my grad school class and I was driving on the highway. Three, four, five radio stations were tuned into this concert, you know. And this was like a little, like around 7.30 or so. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, is someone taking, like taking over the radio waves? I had no idea. And I was like, I, I was kind of pissed because I like, I'm like, what the fuck is And then like, I, I kept listening more and more and more. Then they started talking about, uh, then uh, Bruce Springsteen actually came on. And I was listening to him. And I was like, oh, cool, nice. Because he's from Asbury Park, which is one of the areas that was affected by uh, Hurricane Sandy. So then, you know, I come back home, you know, I'm computer check my emails, finishing up on some, uh, some of my online class work. Then, like, I go on my Facebook and I notice, like, a friend of mine, like, um, Nirvana reunion with, uh, and I'm like, what the if? What the if they were playing? And I'm like, I, I look in the article and I'm like, yeah, Dave Grohl, Chris Novoselic. And Pat Smear are going to play with uh, um, Paul McCartney. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, dude, if they're playing the Ronald song, I'd probably die, you know, because I'm a huge Beatles fan, but I'm even a bigger Nirvana fan. You know, the second band that, like, led me to, like, playing guitar, learning drums, you know, trying to create music. And just, I, I would listen to them all day throughout my high school and almost – throughout all of college, you know? And I was like, oh my God. And like, All right. So that was a uh, recording from uh, one of the uh, interesting fan experiences that we came across uh, after the uh, 12, 12, 12 uh, benefit concert. So, you know, what's, there are a lot of interesting things that we hear about this, uh, about this, you know, this particular concert. Um, definitely worth talking about and kind of diving into. So the first thing is that it was the most televised live music event uh, in the history of uh, live events. So, wow. um, And the reason we want to share that clip is that because it was shared on multiple you know, radio stations, it was on YouTube, it was on uh, cable, it was on, you know, you name it, it was on a, a place. If you didn't watch a part of this thing, then you weren't in... You weren't on planet Earth, basically. And they said it was about six it was hours huge. long. Right. Around six hours. Yeah, it was long. 
it, it was it, it was long, and, and, and at certain times it felt like there was certain um, performances uh, cut out. Um, it, you know, it, it was kind of weird, but but in any case, uh, I really enjoyed that uh, that clip that we were playing there because it was one of the fans uh, kind of sharing his experience. Um, uh, you know, kind of coming in contact with this uh, this monstrous benefit concert going on on all these different uh, uh, media channels. So um, I'm sure a lot of a lot of you uh, had different experiences. I know we were watching it here at home. Uh, while we were doing stuff, and uh, it was definitely a historical moment uh, in live music. So, um, one of the other things is that uh, you know Madison Square Garden is not um, well. Let me let me before we get into that, uh, the the concert as of as of this recording, uh, as of the show, uh, it raised uh, thirty million dollars wow. in, uh, in in benefit uh, funds. And what's interesting about this, and um, this will kind of lead us into our historical look back on benefit concerts, um, all the money that was being raised, uh, you know, 100% of that money is going to people in, in need, um, which is something that's not uh, in the history of benefit concerts, uh, has not easily, easily been done uh, because it's extremely difficult to put something like this on with this, you know, this size, these many, uh, this many artists. Uh, you know, and it's complex to get all the artists, you know, um, their schedules and, you know, everybody wants, a, you know, a hand in it, all this kind of stuff. So a lot of, a lot of things kind of come together. Um, but one of the hardest things to do is make sure that the money uh, gets to the right people because that doesn't always happen. So um, uh, the, and the, uh, the next thing is that the, the place where this happened, you know, Madison, Madison Square Garden was also home to uh, one of the first benefit concerts, uh, historical uh, one as well, uh, the concert for Bangladesh. Um, you know, and and that's something that... That was the uh, first benefit concert that, that was ever held. Right. Bangladesh. Of, of that size, right. It actually happened in two two different nights. Um you know, you got some uh, some interesting stats uh, on on that. But. August first, nineteen seventy one, was the first show, um, mm-hmm. the concert for Bangladesh took place at Madison Square Garden, in New York, and um, it was produced by George Harrison. Yep. And there, we actually have the record, the original record we of do. this, yep. and there's actually a booklet that goes with it yep. and explains a little bit more about what they were doing, what the cause was. Bob the, Dylan was there, Eric Clapton right. was there, Ringo Starr was there, you know, a bunch of, um, and obviously George Harrison um, played and you know did a, right. did a concert too as part of it. And, and this and this concert is kind of notorious uh, as far as benefit concerts go uh, for you know the uh, the money not getting to the right people. So there was a big controversy with um, since it involved the Beatles and. Uh, you know, members of the Beatles, uh, there was problem in getting the money to the right people because of the promoters um, were taking money and not not uh, distributing correctly. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, and then the next, you know, you move on from that, and you know, obviously there was, um, you know, money to be made from the, you know, uh, recordings, things like that. So it was it, it was a, it was a mess, you know, and it was it really put a question mark on the you know the the benefit of benefit concerts, you know, do, do they really benefit the people in need or is it just all about the artists um, or is it about the promoters making, you know, kind of capitalizing on, you know, a, uh, an otherwise uh, good deed. Um, and I think that that's still a question do, you know? today, you know, even with the 12, 12, 12, 
And I think people question, where did the money go? Right, you right. Know, is it allocated in the right places? Did it really help the people that needed you know, to be helped? There are still people that are struggling without homes at this moment. There are still businesses that are not fully uh, back to par. Right. You know, and, and unfortunately, um, sometimes where the money went, I mean, it really wasn't seeing changes. Right. And what's interesting, what's different from the concert of Bangladesh to something like uh, the twelve 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 benefit concert is that uh, there was an organization that helped make sure, you know, kind of a middle person between, you know, the artists, the promoters, and, uh, and the people that need the money. So there's an organization called the Robin Hood Foundation that was uh, a big part of uh, the twelve twelve benefit concert that um, made sure that the money was distributed to the right people in, in need and then 100% And it was that actually made public? Yes. So yeah, you, you can, can go, go to the, their website yeah, and we'll see have, what, you know, where everything went and how much money went to the right people and how much money they raised. Yeah, and, it's, a, it's a highly regarded, uh, well-respected organization. Uh, you know, they've helped out in other uh, times of need. Um, you know, they were there for, uh, you know, things like 9-11, um, things like that. So um, I think that's something that people have kind of learned from the past. And as we get into some of, the, some of these other tips, I think one of the most important things, if you're thinking about putting a benefit concert in uh, or you know, putting that, something like that on, is to make sure that you have some kind of third-party inter- intermediary group that can take care of, you know, the distribution of the, of the money, you know, to make sure that, you know, um, you definitely don't want to have that all in the hands of the artists and, or all in the hands of the promoters because um, the people that are going to need that money the most, um, history shows that, uh, you know, having that third party is, so, is, is good to make sure it gets to the right people, you know. Now, in looking at the psychology of live music, um, looking at it from my perspective, I think benefits should be beneficial to the victims. Um, the benef- how, do you, I, how, how do you go about doing that? I mean, what do you... Well, a lot of the victims were at those shows. Right. My concern, and I think a lot of people's concern, is that um, we throw and have these grand concerts right after someone's suffered a huge loss. Mm-hmm. And so we're basically telling them, cheer up, get back in the game... You know, listen to this great music, the concert and the music is all cheery and lovely and everyone's talking on stage. But in reality, those people are still, they've still lost their homes. They still lost their spouse, you know, looking at 9-11. Now, is that moment cathartic, though, for them? I mean, is there a certain level of catharsis, you know? I'm sure some people, but I think to, to, to push that on a mass group of people, I, I just think... You know, they go home that night. Those artists do not go home. You know, most of them go home to no house. You know, no... A lot of those people in the audiences that buy these tickets are not necessarily the ones that lost their house. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't know. Is it, is it right for us, to, with music, force them to, to be excited and enjoy a concert? I don't know. I, I mean, is there You're something wrong... Who's forcing? I don't know if it's being forced. I I just think going to you know a live a live show. You don't go to live show and want to experience depression, want to experience grief and loss. Most people go to a show to escape, and we've talked about that you know on on this podcast. And so I I wonder: do we miss? Do we push them? We do we send the wrong message? 
by by inviting these people and broadcasting it on TV and saying, you know, we're we've you think moved, we're ex- we've moved on. They're we're being ex- exploited. They're not partly maybe exploited, but I, I, mean, I think are we are we sending a message? Money. Yeah, but are we sending a message that you know for the ones that have t- attended the show, you need to attend this and, and kind of. Um, let loose and forget about it for a while. I mean, I, I don't know. Is that as a society is that wrong to push them to to be better? I mean, they had these concerts within a week of the tragedy happening, and I just wonder. Well, like, isn't you know, there? Uh, what's the limit for you know? This is kind of this might get into like you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You know, where you kind of people have a certain threshold of you know devastation that they can you know yeah. w- uh, withstand. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, live music comes in here at a certain point. I know I've been through certain times where it was just grief upon loss upon loss, just boom, 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 you know. And then live music was, uh, you know, a sanctuary for me where I came in and, you know, I kind of had a mixture of escape, but also the music moved me to a point where it, it didn't completely remove me from what I was feeling and the sadness and the grief and the loss. But it allowed me to kind of, you know, move through that in a in a in a healthy way, even though it was kind of painful. You know, I still had to deal with that. You know, um, you know, cry if I needed to or whatever. You know, have that moment with the music where it kind of moved me. I, you know, where I could still feel my emotions. Um, and you said the word escape, and and in some ways, you know. Um, I could see what you're talking about, but as but as a counselor, you think, as a therapist, you think escape. Um, what are you escaping from? Let's let's look at that first, and it's really avoiding and escaping are not the ultimate goals. To when you're looking at um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, enlightenment or or total achievement in life, you, you don't escape things to achieve peace and serenity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess. With live music, it could be a distraction, but I think hopefully, ultimately, live music experiences could allow you to achieve your goals, could allow you to achieve some sort of enlightenment, some sort of peace, and not an escape. That that's how I feel. I mean, I feel like after a while, I mean, I could see where that may be the case sometimes for that for that individual. But I think we need to get to a point where music is changing us and not allowing us to escape. Well, that's what I was wondering too. You know, I mean, this is uh, fantastic stuff to think about too, because during the whole one of the reasons that they did, that they did this benefit concert was not just to give these people a chance to. You know, get all these high-profile artists together to raise money. You know, they wanted to make sure because it had been a month since all this had happened. So they kind of interspersed these different stories into into the show. You know, and then they actually, you know, I mean, they ended the show with having everybody up on stage. You know, the first responders, and you know, they had Alicia Keys up there. You know, singing, uh, you know, Empire State of Mind and and things like that. But um, when they were painting the crowd and they panned the faces of the people who were impacted, you know, in New York and New Jersey, I couldn't help but think, you know, what what was really going through their minds, you know, um, especially when some of these artists were playing, right? You know, so it was kind of, and I think that's what made it kind of awkward for me to kind of watch this and go, what is this really doing for people, you know, especially with a performance like Kanye West, right? I mean, there were only a couple po- couple moments during his medley of of, uh, of songs where I was like, wow. 
that kind of moved me. You know, that would take me to a deeper place. That would give me some healing, some closure, some catharsis. You know, or you know, escape for for a moment. Um, I, I thought it was ridiculous. That, you know, they would play a song like you know, uh, Gold Digger. You know, um, but thinking back to the benefit of having a moment of escape, maybe it helps those people psychologically for just 30 seconds, right? To be able to kind of be silly, you know, and say, hey, you know, and throw down some Kanye West lyrics and, you know, but then you have the moment where he had, where he's saying, well, Jesus walks, right? And that was, that was such a spiritual moment. You know, that was really, I mean, he was, you know, I think, really zeroing in on the emotions of the, of, of the people, you know, and some of the, the lyrics that's, that make that song as such powerful as it is, I think speaks right to the people that they were, um, you know, the, the people that were, uh, you know, the focus of this event, you know, the, the, uh, the victims. Um, and but, I think there is time for fun. I just, I hope that the victims who experienced the concert you know, get get the chance to really grieve the loss that they've had and not feel like they've got to grieve quickly to move on and get on with life and be happy, you know. Um, life is about losses. Life is about getting yourself through something. And hopefully for many, music does that for them. Live experiences does that for them. But I think we... And there is a time for fun, but I think we have to be careful of it being a time of escape. I think we have to be very careful of that because we are constantly inundated with things that can allow us ex- to escape life and life's challenges and difficulties in life. And um, it's very easy to um, watch movies or um, do escape-type activities when in reality maybe that's not the best for, for that individual. Um, and so that's, I guess that's the one thing I just question about benefit concerts, you know, is it really something that allow, helps us to get through the experience or is it something that we're just using to avoid what we've gone through? Right. And of course we're, you know, we're highlighting the fact of when you say benefit concert, you know, there's financial benefit obviously that was generated from this, you know, we're really talking about more of the, some of the emotional and psychological benefits that did or did not happen for the people that were that were impacted, you know, from from the victims. So I think um, you know stuff like this doesn't get talked about enough, and I think it's uh, it's certainly important to kind of think about this, you know, from from different levels. You know, uh, does the you know do the right people get get served? Do the right uh, you know does the money get to the right people? And 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 you know what what are the stories that are that are getting told? So. Um, it was a historic night, you know. There were some firsts that were that were played. I think, uh, you know, if you were a, a Nirvana fan and a Beatles fan, you kind of had a little bit of a, uh, no, no, no pun intended. You kind of had a, a a moment of Nirvana, you know, there to um, to kind of bring it all together. You had, you know, Paul McCartney stepping in for Kurt Cobain, you know, to play uh, play a new track. Um, and, and what's interesting about some of these first things, you know, there was, uh, we're talking about financial benefits, you know, money that was being raised. So there was a, uh, a live album that was created out of this night. And there were two two tracks, that two artists that weren't included on this, uh, on that album. Uh, first one is Kanye West. Apparently he didn't want, uh, according to some uh, reports, uh, he didn't want his uh, performance uh, on the uh, the, the uh, Sandy Relief concert. 
And so these are both available. Th- this CD is available on iTunes. I- iTunes. iTunes. Okay. Yeah, just well, iTunes or yeah, right now just on iTunes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they might have it uh, available some other time at some other place. So but Kanye West did not want his. He was not live on there, track. right? Right. The, the the moment that it was available in the iTunes, you know, uh, people, you, know, you looked at the the, the list, and uh, Kanye was the first person not on there. And then the second artist, uh, of course, was the uh, Nirvana track or the um, new the track reunited from, right partly, Dave part Grohl, of the band, Pat Smear, and you know the rest of uh, Nirvana with Paul McCartney playing, which Courtney Love, um, you know, went to. Twitter. Of course, she chimed in on that, right? Of course, threw some things out there, and um, she was very unhappy that they decided to um, to have this Nirvana reunited reunion uh, stage presence um, without, you know, she just didn't think it was fair to Kurt. <laughs> right. You know, and it's funny too because you know Dave Grohl has his. Uh, new uh, documentary coming out and um, it's uh, been reported that it's not on the um, on the 1212 track uh, just because the uh, wants to use that for the documentary right for the documentary so I was just looking up uh, some stuff Hmm. here but um, coming some slack is the name of the is the name of the track that they played at uh, the benefit concert that was not on the iTunes final list along with a, uh, a omission of uh, Kanye West. And I personally don't think the band is much without Kurt Cobain. I mean, it just, they're better off doing their own thing. I love, man. I loved seeing uh, Dave Grohl on the drums. You know, that was, uh, you know, one of my favorite moments was this, you know, when they were playing, uh, playing this track. You know, I think... Uh, Dave Grohl has never looked. Uh, I I like him as I'm a drum as a drummer. I'm not a big fan of him and the Foo Fighters. You know him playing lead, but that I, I thought they were they were awesome. That that you know I don't know. You didn't like it? Not um, I wasn't much of a fan. I'm a pretty big Paul McCartney's uh, guitar is pretty cool. Though. I'm a pretty big Nirvana fan. A pretty fan. cool little guitar, right? So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean his guitars are great. What the heck, great, that, what the heck I, that was? You know I I. I love I love Nirvana when they're around, and um, you know I loved Hole too, which is Courtney Love's band. I just I think their time was, you know, up. I mean they played great as a band, and why why come on stage? I mean it's all about the money. Why come on stage and start? You have your own band, you know. I just I, I don't quite understand the the presence. You know he had Foo he has Foo Fighters he can go home to at night. Why 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 be why try to re Engaged Nirvana. I just, I mean, I know they're a legend. It's an opportunity to play with Paul McCartney. But then, the drum the, but Paul fine. McCartney. Then don't call yourself you Nirvana. Just say you're doing a benefit and you're you're forming. You know, you're getting oh, together they, for a couple artists are getting together for a song. Yeah. They don't need to call it a you know Nirvana reunion. It and wasn't a Nirvana reunion. No, Dave Grohl didn't say that. Well, people, the did. media were saying right. The media, that. right. Maybe he didn't, but he wasn't stopping it. Yeah. So. Heck, if I was Dave Grohl and I had a chance to play live with Paul McCartney, I'd be all over that. I think he'd kill it, man. It was uh, it was an awesome show. But, you know, there were some things about this that I was like, you know, some one of my favorite songs about New York City is Alicia Keys and Jay-Z's song, you know, Empire State of Mind. And, uh, you know, and one person I think that was really missing from the whole Benefit concert was Jay-Z. Um, you know, I... I 
was trying to think why he wouldn't be there. Um, it wasn't because of touring schedules, but maybe because of, you know, he has recently opened up the Barclays Center uh, in Brooklyn. So I don't know if there was some licensing issues with Madison Square Garden um, and, and because of that, but uh, definitely was hard to see a show like this go on without Jay-Z. And then also to have Alicia Keys end up the show with Empire State of Mind without uh, Jay-Z you know, doing the lyrics. So it was um, kind of weird, but uh, that was one of the things that, you know, I wish that the Benefit concert would have been a little, a little bit better, but uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think, you know, about the about the show. And um, about Benefit concerts, you know, another one that um, is talked about a lot is Farm Aid out here because it did take place in Champaign, Illinois, which is not too far from us. Right. And there was a lot of people that attended that, and basically it was to raise funds for farmers, to help farmers, you know, and, and, and again, I don't know how much of that money, there's a lot of kind of controversy around where the money went. Did it really go to the average farmer? Or did it go to one farmer in particular that, you know, uh, produced a lot of dairy anyway? And well, no, you know, did it go to the mom and pop farmers too, not just the corporate farmers? Right. So that was a whole controversy that we, that I remember experiencing um, and I know that they ha- they started these in 1985, but they went um, well in after that. Um, but I know they started in 1995, and there's not, there has been 19 of them, and um, there was the there's been one almost every year. Um, yeah, as I of mean, 2007. Benefit, so. Right, you know, and and benefit concerts are kind of interesting because they usually are a a way for us to kind of connect with the situation. And, um, of course, you know, the benefit concert happened on December 12th uh, for Sandy Relief. And then two days later, on Friday, the 14th, uh, you know, you had uh, the uh, Sandy Hook uh, school shootings, um, unfortunately, happened. And um, one of the things I was wondering, I was kind of keeping an eye on Twitter, is that, uh, you know, there were several... um, uh, tweets put out by uh, kids uh, on you know uh, in in that in that area they want to get together and have a benefit concert for the uh, the the victims uh, for the families but also people that were left behind uh, a lot of the students they were calling upon the Jonas Brothers Taylor Swift Justin Bieber kind of putting tweets out there on uh, in the Twitter sphere to uh, you know uh, trying to get a benefit concert together so as we uh, at the time of this recording. You know, there's still not an official go- going on, you know, uh, anything happening right now. But um, it, it's kind of interesting, you know. It's really an emotional response that live music plays, uh, you know, a, such a huge role in, you know, the emotional kind of, um, you know, like the healing process, the coping, the, you know, the mourning of kind of um, not only trying to raise money to help support these families that were you know that were impacted by the school shootings, but but also the the kids are left behind because you you look at a lot of these tweets that people are trying to reach out to Taylor Swift and say, oh you know we really want to have uh, you play you know these kids need something to kind of lift their spirits up you know and and kind of help them move through this and they're relying on live music and Taylor Swift and uh, some of these other um, child stars musicians to kind of provide that opportunity for. Again, it's great fun, and if they broadcasted of like a night of fun, you know, and I know that there's been a lot of great things provided to the students that um, experienced 
or didn't experience, but go to school there. But the, you know, they, maybe they weren't in that wing. Um, they actually, you know, if they look at this as being fun, I mean, that's that's very understandable, and that can really be um, just a good time for them. But if they look at it like, let's get through this, let's move on, let's use this as an experience to. Then, then I think you're teaching the kids a wrong lesson, you know, to go back to, you know, just the idea of fun is okay, but don't, don't promote it as escaping. Right. From, from and what I think they really this is, a, you at. know, there, there's always the, you know, tragedy obviously is something that, um, you know, it, uh, it's, it's, it, it's tough to work through, you know, and in, in, in these situations, you always see, you know, positive things come out of it. And, well, it's interesting to kind of see this Sandy Hook thing develop uh, and even the Sandy Relief concert too. But on a local level, you know, kind of watching some of these kids um, mobilize and use live music to help mobilize um, and show support, uh, there's uh, some interesting sites. Uh, one of the ones that, um, that we'll have links to here is uh, dosomething.org. Uh, we've talked about the, this organization before, but they, they basically, they're all about, you know, not just sitting back and watching things, you know, just being angry or whatever or not doing anything but taking action. So on dosomething.org, there's actually a guide here that says how to organize a benefit concert. So I actually have a tutorial here that we'll have some links on uh, uh, in the uh, show notes. And uh, it's 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 a really nice list, and you know if I was going to add one to to this list, it's it's one of the notes that we talked about earlier was basically about making sure that you have a thir- some kind of third party group in there to make sure that they that the money gets to the right people. You know, um, one thing that seems to be uh, a good thing about this about the uh, um, Sandy Benefit concert was the involvement of the Robin Hood Relief Fund. They were there so that uh, they were you know. Helping to kind of mitigate the uh, the, uh, the money and, and, and make sure it gets to the right people, and uh, you definitely want to add that to your list. So there's all, all, all a good list here on do something.org. We'll have links to it uh, in the show notes. And the Robin Hood Foundation, um, just to kind of clarify, it has been actually around since 1988, um, and Robin Hood has their mission statement is they Robin Hood has targeted poverty in New York City by supporting and developing organizations that provide direct services to poor New Yorkers as well as improving their earning power and long-term prospects. Robin Hood provides program grants, general operating support, capital grants, and funds to build management capacity. So they've been around for a while. They've got some key people on their board of directors. Uh, Diane Sawyer is one. So um, they've got, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow is also connected. And there's a few artists that will, um, that are connected with them and consistently give them money. The Rolling Stones, Robert Plant, Shakira, John Legend, the Black Eyed Peas, Lady Gaga, The Who, and Aerosmith. Um, and they've performed um, at annual galas and all kinds of different things for this organization. So, and they're highest support of it. So there's a lot of people backing them. Um, they'd be known as a venture, uh, they would be known as venture philanthropy. So they're basically a charity that um, invests their money. So yeah, you know, so there's a lot of... Uh... To, if you're looking for, if you're doing like a mom and pop or a... You know, a smaller show or benefit show, like Chris was referring to, you want to make sure that you do have that third party, and you want to look for someone that's been around for a while. Yeah. Legitimate place. 
Yeah. You know, and it's uh, we want to hear your stories. You know, if you guys have put on uh, put on a show to help benefit someone else, you know, I think one of the things that that we thought about here at Live Fix, you know, is to put on a show to uh, benefit. Uh, some local charities here in Chicago. You know, we've uh, worked with Rock for Kids uh, before. Um, you know, we've featured them on the show a couple times, and I know that they're a great organization that uh, works to give uh, kids opportunities to uh, to learn music, learn how to play live music, and kind of learn how learning all that stuff, having those experiences, is important to kind of just developing as a kid. You know, developing as a as a person, um, and continuing to allow and support music music education for that for those reasons. So, um, if you guys have you know, have those stories. Uh, you know, and uh, you have ideas, you know, maybe an idea that you'd like to have us do to, you know, put together a live fix uh, sponsored show um, to uh, to benefit a certain cause. We'd love to partner with you and, and uh, kind of make that happen and uh, see what other what other ways we can uh, continue to support, you know, uh, local local groups. Right. So um, that just about uh, about wraps it up. Um, we're going to uh, gonna come back real quick here and talk about. Two, two albums uh, that have been uh, been released uh, re- uh, lately. Kind of a little preview to our uh, upcoming show uh, about uh, all a whole bunch of live albums that have been uh, released recently. Now so time new to, albums, uh, new live albums. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there's been a couple, um, couple interesting documentaries. Uh, well, actually, uh, one live album that um, I uh, have been on kind of constant rotation, and actually kind of allowing me to see an artist in a new way. Uh, you know, that, I'm kind of surprised about this one. You know, although I, I like it and I appreciate it, I'm just yeah. a little bit shocked that you'd be uh, into Coldplay. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, so the first one you know we'll talk about here is uh, Coldplay. So they have a new live 2012 album, and uh, one of the particular tracks that um, and I'll, I will preface this by saying that I saw uh, a little bit of Coldplay in uh, Lollapalooza uh, two, a year a year ago. It's kind of all blended together, but um, wasn't that impressed? You know, I, I didn't really connect with what. Chris Martin was doing. I just felt it was kind of, I don't know. I I just didn't. It didn't resonate with me, you know. Like it didn't feel like I was like involved in the show. I kind of walked away. I was like, eh, whatever. I think they're an experience. So I think they don't do as well as a band when they do like a festival where they're just like an. They just do their their popular songs or a couple songs and they're done. I think they really create an experience and an atmosphere. That they it takes some time through the show to start really. Well, Chris Martin, into it. The, you know, the, he he played at the uh, the benefit concert, at twelve twelve twelve. So it was, um, uh, you know, one quarter of uh, of Coldplay, but um, and actually before he performed, I had already started to listen to this album that had come out uh, in, you know, in uh, in December. So um, what's <laughs> what's interesting is that. Uh, 
There's uh, my favorite track on this album is uh, uh, Yellow. Uh, so I I have about five Coldplay tracks that I that I really like out of all the albums, and one of them is Yellow. Um, and Yellow is is it's an awesome track on here because he kind of uh, really captures the essence of uh, of the show, and um, you know he kind of re redoes the lyrics um but the 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 energy and the emotional swell is just it's it's there you know i've uh i've listened to this track a bunch of times and uh and i really like the rest of the uh, of the album as well it's kind of a collection of other live tracks and from what i can tell it's not all one show it's kind of collected throughout um their live performances throughout the year so um, definitely a good one. I, I, w- I would definitely buy this one and, and check it out if you're a, a Coldplay fan um, or if you're not, uh, like myself. I'm not a diehard Coldplay fan, but uh, I definitely liked this one, and I liked what Chris Martin and, uh, and, the, and the rest of the gang uh, was, uh, was doing. So, um, and that's, uh, that was released uh, earlier this month. Uh, it's called Coldplay uh, 2012 uh, Live. So, good stuff. So check it out. Absolutely. So our next um, next one here is kind of interesting too because uh, it's Green Day, uh, and it's um, a, a kind of an installment. So throughout this year, they released uh, kind of a interesting project um, called Uno Dos Uno Dos Trey, and then they released a film called Quattro, and uh, it was on for a little bit. I saw it on TV. Uh, during its premiere, I was on uh, Palladia, and um, fantastic. I, I I really like watching it. I was uh, I was I, I was uh, drawn in um, from the moment it started till till it ended, um, and and for a couple reasons. The first one was that uh, it kind of captured Green Day in uh, some ways that I haven't seen them before. So essentially, what it was is that it, it captured them during the uh, creation of this album. And it kind of caught them in a different time frame um, where they were kind of trying to reinvent themselves. They're going out on the road and playing shows, playing live shows and smaller clubs. And and not just playing the hits, but they were playing a mixture of their hit tracks and new tracks before the album was created. So during this process, uh, Billy Joel and uh, the rest of the team, or the rest of the team, the rest of the band, um, sorry, football season and whatever but uh they kind of share some interesting interesting uh you know struggles throughout this whole process because uh one of the things that uh billy joel uh, says is that uh he suffered from post-traumatic gig disorder so there's a moment in the f- now is this pre-rehab or after yes, rehab pre-rehab okay yes because there's a lot of interesting yeah i personally that happened in this fall this was recorded okay. in like 2011 okay because i can't wait to recording. see them perform after his stint in rehab because i just want to see you know if there's any changes or not because i do think like eminem for instance yeah you know he went into treatment went to went to rehab and he performed differently after I think he had more anxiety on stage, so he just performed differently. Yeah, than well, he's able prior. to say, yeah, he, he and he'll uh, tell you that in, in, in interviews. Yeah. he talks about that. That's one of my favorite moments about Eminem is that he he said when he was interviewed by Anderson Cooper one time, I'll never forget this. He, Eminem said that you know when he was playing and he was on drugs, 
it was like the audience was a blur, and that was the only way that he could handle the, and the anxieties of being on stage. And when he was off drugs and he was sober and performing, he said he loved that much more, even though it was more nerve-wracking, um, but he could handle it. But now he could see all his fans. Mm-hmm. He could see them individually. They weren't just a blur. He could feel them, see them much more intimately than before. Well, it's interesting because um, Billy Joel, when he came out of um, rehab, he, he actually said a statement to his fans. I just want to thank you all for the love and support you've shown for the past few months. Believe me, it hasn't gone unnoticed. I'm eternally grateful to have such an amazing set of friends and family. I'm getting better every day. So now, without further ado, the show must go on. And that was directed towards a statement directed towards his fans. Uh, just, just had you know talking about the tour, but he wanted to put that out there that they've been. So he must have gotten letters, must have gotten tweets and different things. I don't know, you know, how much of that he saw hmm. when he was in treatment, but when he came home, sure, he received letters, emails from fans that were probably happy for him and hoping the best for him. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if yeah, so the this sober movie, Billy uh, Joel is, is different than than the one that, you know that used. Right, and you kind of see they don't really you don't really see any necessary moments of you know the addiction or you know the um, the issues that he's dealing with now aren't necessarily captured in the movie, but there is definitely some nerve wracking moments that are, are are really fascinating to kind of watch unfold, and when he talks about how it was extremely nerve-wracking for um for him and the band to play these shows with these songs that were not yet you know they were brand new the songs didn't um uh you know they they weren't fully they weren't completed they were just throwing them out there you know and and they were kind of being very vulnerable in front of their fans and he talked about how it was he used the phrase uh, uh post traumatic gig disorder where they would play and he really didn't know you know, did the fans like it? Did they not? You know, they were, and, and he just, he, he does a really great job at several moments in this movie of kind of explaining and kind of opening up about what it was like to perform and kind of watch the fans kind of bob their head, absorb the music as these new songs were being played. Well, again, that's an time, intimacy you know? level with your fans. You know, yeah. it, it is like a best friend and, and wanting to throw an idea around with them and not, you know, being scared you're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, being scared of how they react. So, you know, based on that quote, it just, yeah, again, you you know, there's this really intimate relationship an artist has with his fans. And I don't know that the fans, you know, all understand that quite as much as the artist. You know, just the care and, and love that, that he that they have for, for the fans and, and what their fans mean to them is just amazing. And it's just a, a very cool interaction to see if um there's mutual respect there yeah yeah it's uh you know quattro is going to come out uh in 2013 so uh definitely keep an eye out for it uh it's definitely an interesting movie if you're a uh, big green day fan and you want to kind of see the band in a in a new light you know as they kind of uh uh you know create this um new album and uh go through some experiences with their fans live during the show so definitely want to share that moment with you guys so you can keep it uh, keep an eye out for it but um that definitely uh wraps up our show and actually wraps up the year so uh we want to wish everybody a uh, very happy holidays uh merry christmas kwanzaa hanukkah 
New Year, uh, New Year, everything. Seasons greetings to uh, to everybody, and uh, we definitely want to hear more about your live music stories in 2013. And we'll uh, see you next year. And uh, yeah, and uh, and absolutely. So thank you again, and we will see you guys next year. This is for our brothers and our sisters. I'm not who I was before 